Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Okay. Welcome to our Bible study. I have no idea what session we're in. We're in um, how many weeks it's been. I think this is like eight or nine weeks already. Goodness. Um, but last week, last week, two weeks ago, uh, last week was, we, we took it off. Uh, two weeks ago, we started looking at the gospel. We looked at the background for the gospel, if you remember. Uh, in the Old Testament and in the Greek world, we looked at the difference between the law and the gospel, and then we looked at our need for the gospel. Uh, today, we're looking at uh, who Jesus is and what he did for us and how, why they matter and why they're connected. Um, so we get to the core of this whole Christian thing. Um, I'm going to start with being with prayer. Um, and then we'll begin. Almighty Father, everlasting God, you accomplished our salvation by the tree of the cross, that where death arose, their life might also arise again, and that the serpent who overcame by the tree of the garden might likewise by the tree of the cross be overcome. We pray that we would always keep this salvation close to us, and that we would never fall away from it. This we pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Kind of modifying the, the proper preface. That's the proper preface for Holy Week. Uh, therefore, it, you know, proper preface is the part of the service right before you say, therefore, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. Anyway, so that, that's what that was from. Okay. So, um, there's a lot of different ideas out there about who Jesus is. What are some of the things that you maybe have heard from other Christians, non-Christians, pseudo-Christianese type people? Uh, what have you heard people say about Jesus? He's a, He's a good prophet. He's a prophet. That's 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 right. You're gonna get that. Most people will say at least that, right? I mean, um, um, the the religion of the religion of love calls him a prophet. Which religion am I talking about? Islam. 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 Tongue in cheek. The, the, um, uh, Islam will call Jesus a prophet. Um, so so yeah. So some will say he's a prophet. What else, what other things might people call him? Some him a god, a god, right? Um, a, a lesser god, but another god. Um, that's uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, some others. I heard a teacher. Did I hear somebody yes. say teacher? Yeah, great teacher. Yeah. A great teacher. Yeah, and I, I bet you that's going to be the, the the most common, right? Even people who aren't Christians. Will probably say something like, "Yeah, I know this. What do you think about this Jesus guy? Oh, you know, he's probably a good. He's a good teacher. He told people to be nice to each other, and you know, this kind but of the thing. disciples. The disciples called him a teacher, though. 
called it. That's right. That's right. So, and, so, and, that's a, so that's a good thing. And it's a good thing. Absolutely. And is, is Jesus a prophet? Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes. So it, it, isn't it interesting that people's opinions, are, are, they, are they always 100% totally wrong? No. No, they, there's usually, right, some small grain of truth in everything, everything that people say. Oh, I, I think Jesus was a man. Right? Is that is that true on on yeah. some level? Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely, it is true on some level. Um, do you think? Um, and, and you know, so you have he's a good moral teacher. Um, uh, and and you, you you get um over um over the past hundred years, there was a not hundred, two hundred years. Yeah, 200 years. There's been this quest to discover the historical Jesus. Have you heard that? The historical Jesus. Oh, we need to separate the historical Jesus out from the Christ of faith. Have you heard? Maybe you've heard some of that before. You'll, you'll see that kind of stuff on like National Geographic or, you know, these uh, um, vision TV, vision TV, you know, documentaries sometimes that come up, especially around Easter, Christmas, you know, these ideas um, that, uh, and there's a lot of uh, teachers out there who sell a lot of books that are really popular, who will, who will say some of these things. But the problem, the problem with finding out the historical Jesus and trying to trying to look at the Bible and, and, and then take out the parts that you think were added later, what ends up happening is you end up with a Jesus that, that's ex- that looks exactly like what you want. And so when, uh, so you have feminist interpretations of Jesus, you've got, uh, you know, every group of people will come and they'll take Jesus and they'll, they will turn Jesus into what they want instead of letting the scriptures speak as they are. And so um, it's important that when we ask, when we talk about Jesus and who he is, we need to make sure that we, we base what we say on scripture, not on what we think Jesus should be. Um, and that that seems obvious, but it it's obvious to us because we've grown up in the church, we've been around the church for a while, right? Uh, it's not obvious to people in the world. Um, here's another question: um, Does it matter what we say about Jesus? Yes. Yes. Of course. Yes. yes. <laughs> Why does it matter? Well, you're not to take his name in vain. Right. That's a, that's a good point. You're not supposed to take his name in vain. Right. Absolutely. A lot of people use the, the name of Jesus as a curse word, right? Absolutely. Um, so, but, so what are some other reasons? Why is understanding... Sorry? So we're witnesses? We're witnesses, right? We're supposed to... Um, and... and um, if we are supposed to be witnesses of Jesus, then we have to know what we're talking about, right? A, a witness sees something, right? 
um, what other reasons we're, we're, we're thinking about here? Why is it important that we say, um, why, why is it important that we get who Jesus is right? It's the basis of our salvation. There we go. Jesus is God, then he is who he is. That's exactly right, Dale. That, that is the money shot here. Um, who Jesus is, is absolutely fundamentally linked to what he did for you on the cross. Right? So if Jesus, um, what you say about Jesus, who he is, will affect what you say he does for you on the cross. And Dale made a good point. He said that Jesus is God. So this man, Jesus, is also God. And that will then affect what we say he's doing on the cross for us. If Jesus is not God, then what he does on the cross is going to be something else. You following me? Um, here, let me give you um, uh, an example of this from my own experience to help you get the concept. Because this concept is big, was big in, in, for me to get. Um, so I was raised Jehovah's Witness, as you, many of you know, right? And um, Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe that Jesus is God. And not only do they not, they believe he was the first angel God created. Um, and, and on top of that, when he was a man, he was only a man. No more, no less, right? No sin, of course, that they wouldn't say he had sin. But he was only a man, all right? So what does Jesus, in their understanding, do on the cross? Well, he does not bear the sins of the whole world. He does not bear your sins, and he can't, because he's one guy. He's just a, a simple individual human being, no more, no less. So he's not able to bear the sins of the whole world. So they have to come up with an alternate scheme of how it works. You following me? And so, because Jesus doesn't bear your sins completely and totally on the cross, you now end up having to do good works to earn your salvation. Right? You see how that see how that see how it works? It it rolls down and and you know, so if you start with well JWs believe that you need to do some good works to go to heaven or not go to heaven to have eternal life. They don't believe in heaven. They believe paradise earth, right? Mostly. Um, well, how do you get paradise? Well, you have to have faith. Yes, but you also have to do a bunch of stuff. Well, if you, if you track it back, you'll see, well, it's because Jesus isn't God and he didn't die and bear all your sins. And so there's a consequence. So what we, the point of this is to say, what we say about Jesus affects what we believe about he, what he did for us on the cross and how we get it, right? Um, you can use um, salvation um, to use uh, 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 someone else's categories. Um, you can talk about salvation accomplished and then applied. It, it's Jesus accomplishes, he, he earns, he wins, he gets our salvation on the cross, and that's applied to us when we trust in the gospel, right? Um, 
So it's, it's important to see that there's the connection between who Jesus is and what he does and then how we get it. Um, and so um, that's important. Um, now, when we talk about God the Father, when we talk about God as Father, what does that imply? That he has a child. Has a child. Bingo. Nice, right? Makes sense. All right. Now, you who have children, <clears throat> um, is your child any less human than you are? No, of course not. It's, it, it, you're fully human, and because you're fully human, your child is fully human, right? Makes sense? Like begets like, as the early church used to say, right? You don't give birth to something less than what you are. You make something equal to you, in, 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 or at least according to humanity's concern, right? You follow with me? <laughs> So if we say that God has a son, right? He can't be less than what God is, right? Just like in terms of his deity, just like your children are equal to you in regards to your hermit, how, how your humanity. You, 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 you tracking with me here? Um, it, it, so that's important to know. Um, and you have certain qualities that make you human, right? One of those things is humans are generally speaking born. They have a start point in time and right. That that's what humans do. All humans have a start point. Even Adam and Eve had a starting point in time. Does God have a starting point in time? No, no, no. And so does his son have a starting point in time? No. No. So you keep that in your head. When you say the creed on Sundays, um, the Nicene Creed, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, of one substance with the Father. When it says God of God, it is not a superlative. It's not, oh, God of God, right? It's... Um, it's God from out of God. It's talking about what we just talked about, about God having a son. God, there is light from light. God from God. True God from true God. Begotten, not made. Right? You see what they're trying to do? The Nicene Creed is invented to stop Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> it's, 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 it's intended to refute the exact same error that the Jehovah's Witnesses do who come and knock on your door. That's why we say it every Sunday, because uh, for like 200 years, or not 200, for a good long period of time, it looked like that error was going to take over the world. Um, and so when the, the truth of the Bible overcame and they made sure that they confessed it every week to make sure that nobody would ever fall into that error again. And that's how do kind of sort How do they refute in Genesis then where it says, let us make man in our image? How Good do question. they refute that? 
they 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 claim it's the plural of majesty we are not amused right oh brother yeah okay <laughs> yeah the royal we um okay but you so this this idea that what i've I, i've explained to you is the the best and simplest way of me to explaining the idea of it's called the eternal generation of the son it means that jesus is god's son and that god has always and forever been the father of jesus right and 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 you're going to bump up a, a mystery there why because it's god and anytime you talk about god you're going to bump into something that hurts your brain um and that's okay right because if we could understand god he wouldn't be very much of a god now would he um okay so we are saying jesus is god's son by nature now what we are not we are called sons of god that's it's the text for this coming sunday um, um romans chapter 8 um the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of god romans chapter 8 verse 16 now but wait a second if if we are children of god how is what's different between us and jesus isn't jesus the son of god see isn't he why if somebody was to say to you well but jesus is a son of god and we can be sons of god by faith and so it's really just the same thing we're adopted children that's right and so we're adopted and jesus is a natural child of god understood make sense um you can Part of, he is God. That's right. Um, and that's the difference. He's God by nature, we say. Um, John chapter 1, verse 18. Um, John 1, 18. Uh, I'll find it quickly. There's a lot of verses. Mm, not a lot, but John 1, 18 is, is good. Um, no one has ever seen God. <laughs> Uh, the, the only begotten God or the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Um, that's John 1.18. There's, so there's no one has seen God the Father at any time, uh, but God the Son, who's called the only begotten God, uh, he has made him known. Um, so Jesus is, uh, oh, the other verse on that is, is, Hebrews, of course, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, another one to, to back this up, that Jesus is God by nature, um, is um, Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verses uh, 3 through 5. Um, uh, he, the Son, is the radiance of the, uh, of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by, his, by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as his name. He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. 
For to which of the angels did he say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father and he will be to me a son. So clearly, uh, the text here says Jesus is not an angel. It says it plain as, to which angel did, Jesus, did God say, um, you know, you are my son? So there's, there's clearly a difference here. Okay. Um, and so um, we, we also say, um, now, if, what if someone's to say to you, is this the right, is this the right answer, by the way? Well, you know, um, I'm somebody's son, but I'm also uh, a father to Isaac and Micah and Katie. Um, so does that mean, is that kind of like what it is? God, in, in some ways, is like a son. In some other ways, he's like a father. Is that how it is? No, that's 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 an ancient heresy called modalism. That that, it, that father, son, and spirit are just two different masks that God roles that God plays. No, because Jesus talks to his father, doesn't he? He prays to him in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Okay. Um, all right. So, um, so if you want. Um, uh, uh, if you're taking notes or if, if you want a good um, uh, list of, of verses to help you prove or that demonstrate that Jesus is the son of God, they can be, or is God, you know, the deity of Christ, we might call it. Um, here are some, there's, you can say Jesus has the names of God. He has the attributes of God. He does the things that God does, and he's worshipped as God, right? So those are the, those are the four four big areas. He he has the names of God. He's called Lord, right? Go to any New Testament book, and you can find Jesus called Lord, right? In Revelation, in three different places, he's called the first and the last, and in Isaiah forty four, only God is called the first and the last. He's called I am, the great I am, right? Several places in John's gospel, I am, I am, I am. Um, and he's called God and Savior. Um, so he has the names of God. He has the attributes of God. He's eternal. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. And he's omniscient, right? So he, um, and if any of you want my, ver my notes, I've got verses listed down for these. Um, I, I can, I can uh, just talk to me afterwards and you can get my notes. Um, he, does, he does the works of God. He created. He sustains the universe. He's going to be the one to, who will judge everything. And he forgives sins. Um, and he's also worshipped as God. Um, so, I mean... It should be fairly clear when you look at the Bible and you see these different things that Jesus is God. Uh, and like we said, this is important because if he's not God, then um, um, then this is going to affect what he does on the cross. Um, today, that seems to be the thing that people deny most. Do you know what I mean? People seem to have the hardest time with Jesus being God. 
Wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that a Middle Eastern Jewish peasant who lived 2,000 years ago was God, right? Like, like th that's the kind of attitude you're going to encounter. Um, and the answer is, yeah, that's exactly what we're telling you. Um, but in the first few centuries, that was not the problem. Believe it or not, the scandal in the first couple centuries was that Jesus was a human. Um, the Greeks were more than the Greek peoples and the Roman people were more than willing to, to concede that, well, maybe there was some divine figure that came down, right? But that God himself was a man? Ooh, I don't it, And so um, you had uh, whole things that said that, well, um, Jesus was maybe just a phantasm. He just looked like he was human. He doesn't, wasn't really human. Um, and, and you get in the first few hundred years, different people denying different things about Jesus. So he only looked human or that he didn't have a human soul, um, or that he didn't have a human will. Um, and, uh, all of these are errors. Um, but if you want to prove that Jesus was a human, just go read his genealogy. <laughs> He's got a genealogy right? Uh, additionally, he gets tired, he needs to eat, he gets angry. Um, all, and you just read through the Gospels and you see that he, he's a, a real flesh and blood human being. Any problems with that? With, with Jesus being God and being man? No? Okay. So, um, so is Jesus part God and part man, you know, 50, 50? No, no. Is a hundred, hundred. That's right. True God, true man, mm. both. So we say he has one person with two natures, uh, a human nature and a divine nature. So what we mean by that is, um, that the, the second person of the Trinity, the God's son, took, added to himself a human nature. Um, um, he did so um, without Jesus's flesh being turned into God. It's not like this third weird hybrid thing. It's neither <laughs> God nor man. Uh, he has two natures and we have, and, and, the church has said that he is God and man without confusion, without change, without division, and without separation. <laughs> um, it's very confusing. Um, it's a mystery. Um, but we have to say that based on what the information we have in scripture. Um, um, and, and the verse for that, which is an important verse, I think, in, in, in discussing who Jesus is, um, is Philippians chapter 2. I, I think this is probably one of the most important passages that I can think of um, in talking about what we're talking about here. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Um, you, you, you guys know this. This is a 
familiar text. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by being, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Right? And, and, and it goes on. Um, but uh, notice what it says. It says he was in God's form um, that did not think that equality was a thing to be grasped. That Think of like he didn't think that his the equality which he had with God was something that he should have used to his own advantage is kind of the idea. But he um, made himself nothing. How? By taking the form of a servant. He's adding something to himself. Um, and then he, 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 it's not just that he became a man. He becomes a man uh, who humbles himself and becomes a poor man who, who's obedient to God all the way to the cross. Um, um, so that's, uh, that's important, uh, an important text uh, to note. Um, so the two errors here is um, the, the two errors that we, the church rejects is there was a group of people who claimed that uh, Jesus and God, there was a mixture and it became a third thing uh, that Jesus was a, a mixture of God and man. And that's not true. There was the, on the complete other end of the spectrum, there was an, another group of people who claimed that Jesus was two persons, one God and one man. That, that's also rejected. Um, because then you have a man who became God, not God in the flesh. Um, okay. That's a very quick look at who Jesus is. I'm very quick. I'm very broad brushing this. I mean, goodness, the books that are written on this subject, uh, are hard even for me to understand at times. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm simplifying it and, and trying to get the brass tacks to you guys. Um, okay. Let's move on to what Jesus did. We're going to look at the atonement. What, when we use the word atonement, what are we, what are we talking about? What does the word atonement mean? To make up for. To make up for, right. Okay. Yeah, it carries that idea. Any other ideas? Atonement. What, what does the word atonement strike in your mind? Stood in our place. Stood in our place, right. Our debt. Uh, paid our debt, right, absolutely. Those are good ideas. Um, um, what's interesting um, is the, the word atonement um, is actually... Um, two three different english words well two words and one um ending it's at one meant at one meant so what does it mean to be at one 
Now, so now, what what does that imply? If to be at one, reconciled us to God. That's reconciled, which means that you know, as we talked about, the problem is you know a broken relationship, and atonement carries the idea of the the relationship which was broken is now fixed right uh, you are w one uh reconciled we would say right uh, um how many of you know that there are different metaphors or theories of the atonement have you, how many of you heard any any of you heard that before um there throughout the centuries um there have been different ways people have tried to understand what it is that Jesus did for us. Um, and not, not everybody has always understood it exactly the way we do. Um, there have been people who have, and there have been times when people understood it in a different way. Um, does anybody have, know of maybe one or two of the other ways or different ways that this is talked about? Do you, or, do you have any idea what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay. Well, this is good. Learn something new. Okay. Um, so first, the first one, uh, the earliest one that we kind of see is called the ransom theory of the atonement. Now, what do you think that means? What's a ransom? Price paid. Price paid. To do what? To save us. Right. No. Um. Think of the the just the term ransom itself. Oh. So if you're paying someone a ransom, what you're paying a price to do what? Get something back. To get something back. Usually a person, right? And a person is cap is usually maybe kidnapped or captured by some other person, and you're paying the price to free them, right? Um, like well, yeah, sort sort of like it's it is it's right it's sort of like redeeming, because you redeem a coupon, don't you? <laughs> you give the coupon to get the burger. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so so ransom and is the word ransom used in the Bible? Um, I, I know of three of you who who should absolutely one hundred percent say yes right now, or three three computer screens. Because you you heard it today, uh, you came to church for communion. Um, Matthew chapter twenty, uh, verse twenty-eight. The only reason why I know that is because I just read it three times today. <laughs> four, four. Well, once in preparation and three to other people. Um, where it says, uh, "The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, but to serve. and give His life as a ransom for many." And so the. The idea here is that Jesus is paying a price. We are captive, right? We're held captive. And, and Jesus is laying down his life. And that's the price to, to set us free. Now, who has us captive in this imagery? The devil. The sin. devil. Sin. Yeah, that's right, too. Satan, sin, and death, right? But the devil is the pre <clears throat> predominant one. So the question then is, who is Jesus paying the ransom to? This was a big controversy in the early church. 
who was who did Jesus pay the ransom to? Uh, what do you think? God. God. That's the lo- that's the logical question. But a lot of people said Satan, based on the logic of the word um, ransom. Now, I don't think that's true, but we're 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 looking at um, the history here. Okay. Is that is there truth in that in that understanding? in that way of looking at what Jesus did for us. Absolutely. There is, it is very true that Jesus is, we, if you, if it helps you understand the cross better, absolutely. Jesus, we are captive to Satan, sin and death and Jesus by his blood paid the ransom and set us free. Absolutely. That's, that is, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. We read the verse. He says it, right? Right. Okay. It's because um, he paid the ransom with his body, not with money. With money, so that's, right? That's, that's kind of how we, we, we think about a ransom being paid. Right. But he paid it with the ultimate sacrifice of his body. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's exactly right. Right? Not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering death. That's Luther just quoting. Go, just to just go back a little bit. Sir. He, he, he didn't pay it to the devil he paid it to the father right i i think so um i i'm i have to look up at more in the, in the history of the ransom theory um i i think i think maybe yeah, at that point that's how we get reconciled to the father right, right? yeah yeah so, the only the only thing you might say is that um the imagery should not be pressed to that far do you know what no. i mean um, you could, I, I, it could be, no, no, the point is not who he paid it to. The point, the point is to liken his blood to the thing that the price paid to set us free, not really to who, who he paid it to. Um, you'll, you'll note that each one of these different ways of looking at what Jesus did, they're true, but they also lack something or they can be taken too far. You know what I mean? They can, uh, and, and so in order to get a well-rounded view of what Jesus did, we keep all these things in mind. Um, yeah, so the first is the rent. Sorry, go ahead. Does justice demand a, a price to be paid? Yes, you're moving more on to um, um, another theory, which we'll get to shortly. Um, in the I will redeem them from death. Redeem them from death. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next theory, the next theory or um, understanding um, is called recapitulation. And basically this idea me is that Jesus is, is, the head of a new humanity. He's a new Adam. Um, and um, he puts humanity back on track. Uh, uh, there's a, there, through the fall, we've been knocked off track and Christ through his death sets up a new humanity and puts us back on track. Um, and and um, that's, that's, um, true 
as far as it goes, but it's not sufficient, is it? Um, there, there's, there's more that needs to be said. Um, so those are the two, um, those two, you don't hear people using very much anymore. Those are older ones. Um, now we're getting into the, the, the three big views that people will, you'll actually encounter people who believe. The first is called Christus Victor. Christ the victor um, means Christ is victorious. And it's this idea that Jesus went into battle with uh, the powers of evil, with Satan, sin, and death. And through his death and resurrection, he defeats the devil, um, frees mankind from their captivity, um, and that kind of thing. Is this in the Bible? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. It's it's the most common one. Um, believe it or not, uh, this is the most common way of talking about what Jesus did in the Bible, and all this kingdom of God language is, is this kind of thing. Um, it's this idea that Jesus has gone into battle to defeat. Uh, Satan, sin, and death for you, and the resurrection is his defeat of the devil. Um, it. Um, there's um, how many of you have seen C.S. Lewis's um, or read C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? I have. Yeah, a bunch. A bunch of you have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you remember what happens to Aslan? Aslan dies, um, and it's almost like. Spoilers. <laughs> um, Aslan dies, remember, and he it kind of tricks, he tricks the, um, it's been a while since I've, uh, he tricks the white witch into killing him. And he knows the deeper magic than she does, and he's able to come back. And, and, that, and that defeats her. I think I, that's right. Anyway, you can see from C.S. Lewis, he's grabbing this Christus Victor motif and using it, right? Um, okay. Um, the next one is called Vicarious Satisfaction. Um, vicarious means in your place, in your stead. Satisfaction. Um, some of you might remember I've talked about this before when I first got here, um, but it's been a year, so it's good to <laughs> and not all of you were there. Um, satisfaction. Yeah, satisfaction. A satisfaction. Um, we would say today in our language, um, reparation, restitution. Um, right. What's what when when we talk about the language of reparation uh, or restitution? What do you what what's what's involved there? Paying a, debt. paying a debt right so when you say rest, reparation or restitution you imply there's an offended party or a hurt party sometimes it's an individual sometimes it's a country right um and you the idea is somebody owes them for what they've done their actions have created a debt which they need to then repay right you hurt my car 
you dented it. Now you need to pay back to get the car r restored. Um, does that does that make sense? Um, um, there are um, in the Old Testament law, and once again, if you want the verses, I can give them to you. Um, but in the Old Testament law, it not only is punishment threatened if you break it, but um, its punishment is threatened if you break the law and you can't make restitution or reparation to the offended party. So um, if you can't pay the guy for hurting his donkey, you, you receive a punishment. And, and, and that whole idea is the basis of the Old Testament understanding of, um, of the atonement. The idea here is this. God's justice requires that he can't just forgive us. Because that would mean that he would be condoning sin. He'd be winking at it. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. Ah, don't worry, right? Um, but, um, and it would defraud God of what he's due. Um, um, so our sinfulness has put us into God's debt. We owe him perfect obedience as it is. Um, and we haven't given it to him. Um, so on top of already owing him perfect obedience, we now have to pay him for the obedience, which we haven't given him, right? Just like um, you have to pay somebody for damaging their car or something. So the debt, so either you pay the debt, you restore what you've taken, or you're punished. One other, you, you pay the fine or you do the time, right? One of the two. Um, um, but God, out of in his love, could not let mankind just perish in their sins. So, um, only we owe the debt, right? Only humans owe the debt, um, since we were obligated to obey the law. Uh, but because of sin, we can't make restitution. We can't make the reparation payments. Only God has the ability to pay the debt, but he's not the one who owes it. You following me? So what's the solution? If God becomes a man, God then has both the ability to pay the debt and the obligation as a human being to pay it. See it? He needs to be both God and man. Man, so he can pay the debt. So he has the um, obligation to pay the debt. God, so he has the ability to do it. You get it? it it's, it's, um, so Jesus, as the God-man, he can bear our sin and pay the debt that it concur, in, incurs. So when we talk about vicarious satisfaction, what we're saying is Jesus took our place. He acted on our behalf as our vicar, um, and he made restitution, rest, reparation, satisfaction for the sins of the whole world. Um, 
So because Jesus already, he obeyed God perfectly and he obeyed him as we read, even to death, right? Um, Jesus obeyed God. He obeyed him through an unjust trial. He obeyed him while loving us, right? Um, he did it out of love for us. Was Jesus obligated to save you? No, he was not obligated to do any of this. He did it completely out of his free love for you. And, and, and he did that and he died and he suffered and it was unjust. So God uh, owes Jesus something, a reward for doing that. But Jesus doesn't need anything, right? And so that, that merit that Jesus gets can then be credited to us by faith. Um, and so the debt which we incurred is then balanced out, uh, satisfied. It's been repaid by Christ. That is called vicarious satisfaction. Any questions about that? Does that Jesus make sense? Used, did Jesus uh, use his deity or his humanity to keep the law perfectly? Good question. Oh, that is a great question. He has to do both at the same time. Everything that Jesus does, he does always both as God and as man together. Um, if he doesn't, then he, um, then it's not worth it. Right? So on the cross, Jesus dies, the man, but in Acts 20, 28, it says, um, Acts 20, 28, it says, that we were, uh, da, 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 um, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. <laughs> God has blood and he bought the church with it. <laughs> um, um, and and I'll, also an act somewhere, it says, um, they crucified the Lord of glory. <laughs> um, so everything that Jesus does, he does both and always as true God and true man at the same time. Does that make sense? But he did know that this was his job. Yes. He, he was knew it sent before... by God to do, to do this work. Absolutely. Uh, so he really and, and didn't you... have a choice. Really? No, no. No, when we say that, we just don't want to say that he did it, um, he was forced to do it. We want to keep say that he did this freely because he loves us, right? No. Not because he's forced course, to do it or course. something. Um, no, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the idea is we owe a debt to God. We can't pay it because we all, even if you were to obey perfectly throughout the rest of your life, you still owe God the debt for the sin that you committed and you already owe God perfect obedience. Um, so only Jesus as true God and true man can, can pay that. All right. That's vicarious satisfaction. Oh, when, so after he died in the cross and his body was put in the tomb, it, it said that he descended into hell to, you know, proclaim his victory. So he would have done that as God, right? Because his man body was still in the tomb. 
but we're we're not just um, we're not just um, body. Right, we're soul, right? Body and soul. So while Jesus's body lie in the grave, his so his human soul, which was still united to his divine nature, descended into hell. So God the Father. He's, he's got the divine nature. He's not a soul, right? Good question. Um, God, the scriptures talk about God having a soul. Is that anthropological language? Is, is that them trying to speak in our terms? Probably. Um, I, 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 insufficient data. <laughs> so so jesus man jesus man had a man's soul yeah and he had the divine nature of god yep yeah there's yep. like yep. kind of three things kind of happening intermixed together there right well yeah because because we're two things we're body and soul and so right. to be a true man jesus also has to be body and soul so, otherwise right but he's also god uh, the illustration by the way this is a footnote the illustration that the early church used to try to help explain how this works this union is have you ever stuck a, a hot iron poker in the fire for a very long time yeah what and and so the the the, the poker gets red with the fire very red, yeah right but it is not the nature of um, the, the fire and the poker don't, they're, they're united, so to speak, but they're not, um, but they don't become a third new thing, right? That's the illustration that the early church uses to describe the union between the divine and human natures in Jesus. They'll say it's like, an, it's like fire and iron mixed. Uh, they're united, but they're, they're clearly distinguishable. Uh, and yet they're not separated, and, and so you, you see what I mean. Um, th that that can that's the only illustration um, that the church has ever really used to describe this. Um, so Christ had a soul because he was a man, right? Yes. Yes. Right. The yeah. Father, we aren't sure if he had a soul or not. I'm not. I'm not he sure if he. If, well, we don't want to say. I thought he was a spirit. He's a spirit. Do spirits have souls? So That's the question. Yeah, do spirits I, I, have souls? Once again, does it insufficient, matter? It, it, yeah. insufficient okay. data. I, I, we don't have enough I mean, information about the makeup of, of spiritual creatures to know if they have souls or not. Um, but what's, what we want to make sure that we keep clear is that the Father did not become man for you. Neither did the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Only the Son became man. Um, that, yeah. So the next, the next uh, view um, is one you know very well. It's the one that we most commonly hear in North America. Penal substitution. Have you heard that term before? Penal substitution. It's very, very similar to vicarious satisfaction, but it makes one change. Where in, in vicarious satisfaction, you're talking about either, either you pay the fine or you do the time. Either you make reparation or you're punished. It's an either or scenario. It's one or the other. 
under vicarious satisfaction, Jesus was not punished for you. He made satisfaction for you. And that's the, the they would make a sharp, that's a sharp distinction. Penal substitution says Jesus was punished for you. Right? You deserve to be punished for your sin, but Jesus bore the punishment for you. Um, um, that is most clear in Romans chapter 8. Um, verse 3. Um, yeah, verse 3. Yeah, that's the one. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, or as a sin offering, it can be translated both ways, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. There's your judgment, punishment word, condemned. So, in this understanding, Jesus bears all the sins of the world and then is punished for them in our place, even though he doesn't deserve them. Um, and, and, and that's explicitly like the death penalty. Our, the wages of sin is death. And so Jesus is the punishment that sin deserves is death. And Jesus takes that punishment. Um, can that be take, can that be taken too far? Can that language be taken too far? It, 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 it can. Go ahead. You mean the punishment? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that Jesus was punished for you. Well, if he is standing in our place, then we deserve all the punishment that we, that we deserve. And right. he took it all on by that, by the... Um, you know, going through hell himself, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I would say that it probably is a good language to use. It, it and ab absolutely is. And like you said, we, we, we saw in scripture that it's, it's biblical. What we want to be careful at is that we don't give the idea that it's some sort of cosmic child abuse. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that, that, yeah. that, that, or to put it differently, God just really wants to sock it to somebody. And, and thank goodness for us, Jesus stu stood in the, in the way and, and got socked for us, right? But what we don't want to, to um, or that God is, is just this bloodthirsty, angry person who just really needs to smack, you know. We, we want to avoid that kind of mischaracterization of what what this means right this is not that kind of punishment um it this is god himself undergoing his own justice for us out of love for us right we have to keep it that way otherwise it's not god so hated the world that he killed his only son <laughs> but look right? at all the pain and the anguish that he went through Right. So we, we right. have to take that seriously. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise it would have been just a slap on the hand. That's right. And it was not. All so. right. That's, that's right. And so, um, so those are the major ways that people have understood the atonement. 
Jesus defeated the devil. He conquered Satan, sin, and death. How did he do it? He did it by paying your debt, paying back to God what you owe, and by being punished in your place. Um, and he did it all out of love, right? Out of love for you, absolutely. That's, and that, I think, is the most important part of it, right? That, that's exactly, yep, you know. yep. Yep, so, so that's that's the conceptual idea. What and what is it? Um, what does um, what does that earn for us? That earns for us um, what Jesus life. did on the eternal life. Absolutely, um, it earns three things: forgiveness of sins, being pronounced righteous, and 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 reconciled to God, um, accept may, be, being made acceptable to God. And eternal life so forgiveness of sins pronounced righteous eternal life. those are the three things that that his death has won for us um next week we're going to look at grace faith and justification so we're going to go into what it when we talk about the word grace what do we mean when we talk about the word faith uh, what are, are we talking about intellectual belief? What about James 2? Or, you know, faith without works is dead. All that stuff. We're going to go into uh, grace, faith, and justification. Uh, and, um, yeah, so those, those are going to be the, the, the topics next week. Any questions on anything we've talked about today uh, mm -hmm. about what Jesus did and who he is? Um, a lot of concepts, a lot of ideas, uh, but I hope there's something in there for you um, that you can grab and cling on to and that it was informative. And I think the idea too is like we're all through this, what I was thinking during his time on earth, right? Right. But who he is now, right, is important too, right? That's right. And, and, and he's, he's still true God and true man. Um, he, he remains that um, and um, the same body and blood which hung on the <laughs> cross is, is uh, given to you with the bread and the wine um, so so that that's important to keep in in mind too okay um, well let's let's offer a prayer uh, oh go ahead okay Let's offer a prayer. <coughs> Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, through your scriptures you've revealed to us uh, who your son is, true God and true man, that he has uh, defeated the devil for us, that he's uh, defeated Satan, sin, and death, and purchased and won us, um, and with his holy blood, that he has paid the debt that we have owed uh, and borne uh, your wrath in our place. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to realize and to uh, understand afresh just what your son did for us, that we would uh, look at the cross and, and see the magnitude of your love for us and for our neighbors and help us to tell and talk to those we meet, our friends, our family, uh, about the, the love that you have for them. And this we pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at icloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.